passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. The Falcons lost again on Christmas Eve on the road to the Baltimore Ravens, 9-17. to They dropped to 5-10 and on the season on a really crushing day when both the Saints and the Panthers, Panthers in really impressive fashion, uh, get wins. So Atlanta now firmly in last place in the NFC South. They will be in last place when the weekend concludes because Tampa Bay went into the weekend with six wins already. So Falcons at five and 10 still technically, I I don't believe not out of it. Now I I may be wrong about that because of certain tiebreak scenarios, but I think that there is still one or two scenarios um, where the Falcons can win the NFC South, which is just insane. I think bigger picture that that's not the expectation anymore, or it shouldn't be for the fan base, right? As we've seen over the last uh, stretch of games, really down the stretch, I should say, uh, the Falcons have not been playing good football, and we should not expect them to turn that around, even against an Arizona team that has not played well recently. Obviously, Kyler Murray's out, so that's a big part of it. Tampa Bay, equal to Atlanta, really struggling down the stretch, but You know, this was the part of the schedule that the Falcons should have, you know, really made some payday in. They have not. They've stumbled. uh, And we're going to get into that for today's podcast just real quick. Uh, It's Christmas Eve. You know, you guys got family in town. If you listen to this, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, Happy holidays to everybody out there. Happy Hanukkah to those who just, you know, wrapped it. Merry Christmas, all that good stuff. But going to keep it quick because really there's nothing new I think we learned in this game. Bet online remains the number one source for all your sports betting this season. We're talking everything from the NFL and college bowl season all the way to esports. That is a big spectrum we're talking about here, you guys. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends over at Bet Online. Better yet, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. To get your 50% welcome bonus, make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That is B-L-E-A-V to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. 
I think that Desmond Ritter was really concerning with the way that he started out for the second straight week. You know, it was it was a slow start by a quarterback who coming into the league, that was his you know biggest knock was accuracy kind of right out of the gates in games. And that is unfortunately continued here uh, to start his NFL career. But he turned things around, I think, impressively and ultimately finishes 22 of 33 for 218 yards, still no touchdowns and no interceptions, although he did have one pass today that could have been picked off, ultimately uh, resulted in a penalty. Um, But he did a better job, I think, of keeping the ball out of harm's way. If you guys follow me on Twitter, at Will McFadden, check it out. You'll know that uh, I was frustrated as hell with all of the um, intentional groundings, throwaways in general, that that one where he didn't throw the ball away and just absolutely got belted on the uh, sideline. No idea why I didn't just flick the ball out of bounds. The one that ultimately was called intentional grounding that Arthur Smith lost his mind at and probably rightfully so, given the situation that they were in, definitely down there um, right at the goal line. You, you don't want to have that call back you up at that time. And it looks like his arm was hit as he was letting go of the ball, which may have impacted where it ultimately landed. And you can't call that intentional if a player's arm is interfered with in the process of throwing, because that is, by definition, not intentional where that ball is going. It is against the quarterback's intent because the defender is making a play to change the trajectory. So if his arm was hit, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, when uh, the ball gets tipped to the line of scrimmage, like all rules are out the window and cornerbacks can just absolutely destroy their receiver in coverage uh, and it's not going to be a penalty. The same thing should have probably applied there, which is what I think Arthur Smith was so upset about, given the situation that they were in, where they were on the field. My argument is there was nothing there when Desmond Ritter was starting to roll out anyway. You just got to kind of recognize that and get the ball out faster. Nothing's there. Eat it and live to fight another down at the one yard line. Don't give yourself a a chance where a fast closing defender can make that a much harder play than it needs to be. It's a learning lesson for for Desmond Ritter, which that's what this four game stretch was supposed to be all about. So, you know, you take the the good with the bad, unfortunately, and there was some good. I thought he delivered the ball kind of in that 12 to 17 yard range over the middle fairly well today. And that's something that the Falcons really need to get back into their uh, their offense that they had lost for a long time when when Marcus Mariota was struggling the way that he was. Desmond Ritter still throws a frozen rope, which makes sense given the uh, temperatures outside in this game. I cannot imagine catching one of his passes when it's 12 degrees outside. That's just, ow, that hurts my hands thinking about it. But he was a little bit loose with his accuracy. You know, they, they would show some of the replays and you see a ball kind of behind a receiver instead of out in front of him where he can catch it on the run. All of that stuff, that's probably just comes with the territory. You know, he did struggle with accuracy in college. He's only been in the league for less than a year at this point. You know, that, that's not a he hasn't had the offseason to really work on it, refine all of that stuff. He was preparing for the draft, going through that whole process. So I'm not too, too worried about that. By and large, I think this was a small step, a small step in the right direction for Desmond Ritter. Early on, I was kind of concerned, not going to lie. I mean, I, I, I thought it was going to be maybe a step back, but the way that he finished looking like a step forward uh, to me. Drake London, again, 
another fumble uh, on a fourth down. I mean, just maybe maybe fourth down's not the time to get him the ball. Uh, I, I know I'm joking. I know he's kind of your best option out there. You want to get him uh, a lot of looks, but this is another moment where the Falcons kind of needed to get some momentum going, did what they needed to do, did the hard thing, and then it gets punched out from behind. I thought this was really interesting. Uh, Drake London, by the way, finishes seven receptions for 96 yards. So another good game statistically for him. It's just that fumble is, is glaring. He said after the game, you know, because he, he took off his, the arm sleeves that he was wearing underneath his jersey after that fumble happened. And he said afterwards when asked about it, if it had anything to do with the fumble, he said, I, you know, I think that was just the last straw with the sleeves. Uh, he said he did everything he could to secure that football and it still got punched out and just kind of slipped out. So I, you know, I think that he's maybe considering a wardrobe change, uh, may stay away from the long sleeves moving forward because, and I've told this story on the podcast before, and obviously I'm not an NFL player far, far, far from it, but I had like the starter Walmart under armor that, uh, Long sleeves, and in one game, I, I caught it, and this stuff is slick, man. Like it, it is so slippery if if it's cold out or whatever. And I went to tuck the ball in, and yeah, just the ball slipped right off of the fabric, and I fumbled, and nobody touched me. It was nothing. It was just like it's kind of slippery. So obviously, his gear is way better than what I had as a sophomore in high school, but I kind of get where he's coming from. So if he makes that change and it ends up working out, cool. Again, learning lesson, learn from it, be better moving forward. Ultimately, this year should be that redshirt year for the team. And 2023 is when we should have the expectations that, you know, we almost had fool's gold version of this year when the Falcons were five and five and, and kind of we were feeling good about, all right, they've made it through the hard stretch. Where where can they go from here? But now it's it's a little bit easier, I think, to stomach some of these mistakes yeah these are all still technically like must win games but we've known what this falcons team is and has been for the last little bit they've lost four straight um you know they they really just have not been clicking so it stinks i hate the fumble i'm not gonna absolutely you know take london to task for it you just got to be better and it seems like he at least has one plan or one way to try to uh improve upon that tyler algier though needs no improvement because this dude is good this is a looking like a great draft pick. I mean, he he looks like an AFC North running back today. I mean, he absolutely belonged on the same field as, as Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. Uh, I think, you know, like put him back there and, and replace Nick Chubb with, with Tyler Algier. I, I think that Cleveland fans wouldn't really know the difference if you put Tyler Algier number 24 uh, out there. I mean, and I love Nick Chubb. That's probably a little bit of a... Uh, of a of a slight to Nick Chubb's ability. I don't mean it like that. I'm just trying to say that Tyler Altier is really good. His vision, his running strength, his contact balance. I mean, he hurdled a dude, stayed on his feet. That almost never happens. So I think that Tyler Algier should be the biggest bright spot takeaway from this season without a doubt. 18 carries, 74 yards, um, 4.1 yards a carry on a day when a good Ravens run defense knew exactly what the Falcons were going to have to do. And he still averages over four yards per carry, pushed a lot of piles. Just great work. Great work from Tyler Algier. No complaints there at all. But Errol Patterson, not as, as big of a, uh, a game, not a big game at all by his standards. Eight attempts, 17 yards, 
2.1 yards per carry, one catch for 14 yards. Just, yeah, not, not what you wanted. I should mention uh, Tyler Algier, four catches, 43 yards. So he went over uh, 100 yards kind of all purpose on the day. He is the real deal, guys, uh, from this rookie class, which may be mixed results. I think Desmond Ritter may be like the swing player in this class because it looks like, you know, good pick in Drake London. Arnold Evacati, really, really solid as a, as a rookie. But you'd like to see the sacks kind of increase a little bit. Troy Anderson, you know, Ovi has his thoughts on him. I'm, I'm a pro Troy guy, but I don't think he's a difference maker. And as a second round pick, it's kind of what you want from somebody. He hasn't been that yet. We'll see what he can be with another, again, full offseason. That is what Dan Quinn always used to say is year one to year two, biggest jump. Year two to year three, another big jump. But that's kind of where we're waiting with, with somebody like Troy Anderson. And then I think Tyler Algier is, is by far the surest thing of the bunch, D'Angelo Malone a little bit in that Troy Anderson category as well. Uh, let's flip over and, and talk about the defense quickly. They did really, really well in the red zone, something that the Falcons offensively did not. They were 0 for 4 in the red zone offensively. That is why they lost this game, ultimately. It, it's not because of Drake London's fumble. It's not because, you know, Desmond Ritter's intentional grounding or whatever. I mean, that played a part in it, but coming away in the red zone, 0 for 4, you're going to lose those games. I mean, that, that's just, and it's something that Baltimore has been struggling with recently. And, and it's part of the reason, if you listen to my conversation with Shelby, that like John Harbaugh's a little bit feeling the heat, I think right now, just because the offense has not been performing. And they kind of didn't perform in the red zone again. The Ravens were 1 for 4 in the red zone. So credit to the Falcons for, you know, Buckling down when they needed to, they still allowed four trips in into the red zone, which is not what you want, and three trips inside of the 10. But the Ravens, again, just one for three in gold goal, goal to go. That's a mouthful situations and only 299 yards really on the day. So by and large, it didn't look pretty for the defense because there were a number of explosive run plays, which I know I've mentioned all year. The tackling for this team has got to get better. And I can't tell if that is just a, hey, look, like we have, again, not a slight, but a fact, the cheapest in terms of uh, money towards the, the salary cap defense in the NFL. Maybe that's a byproduct of it. And maybe just you get better players in here that the tackling will improve. I hope it's not a, a kind of a coach style thing where there's so many hours in the week for these teams to prepare for certain things, you've got to prioritize what you're teaching. Tackling was a big thing for Dan Quinn, especially that rugby style tackling early on, which is now everybody's doing it because of concussions. It's just way safer, but they practice tackling all the time. I'm not saying that that Arthur Smith and his staff aren't, you know, I, I'm not out there every single day, so I, I can't fully tell you that. It's just, it's apparent on the field that these guys are missing tackles like left and right. It's, pretty rough if, if the running back gets past the first line and kind of gets past Rashawn Evans I don't know if there's a ton of guys after that that I really trust to make an open field tackle uh, Richie Grant has especially I think been struggling in that area recently which he finished leading the team with 10 tackles so on the one hand you don't always want your safety to be the leading tackler that means that you're getting up to the safety level pretty frequently which the Ravens were definitely doing. Um, and I, you know, he just, 
again, kind of some shoestring tackles, some some arm tackles that were broken. I need to see him clean that up. But it is a positive sign that he did have 10 stops after a few really rough games from Richie Grant. He's kind of fallen back down to earth here a little bit. No sacks again for Atlanta. Uh, so that's an issue that they need to continue to clean up and just get better. I, you know, I think that that's where we're at kind of at this point in the season is that we're just seeing the talent and the limitations that it is providing the coaching staff. We obviously saw how the offense wanted to try to evolve at the midpoint of the season by introducing a lot of those deep passes. Uh, they just weren't able to hit them. And when you are one-dimensional almost because of your own inabilities and limitations, it's just going to come back and, and bite you more times than it's gonna, going to not. And I credit the Falcons for continuing to find ways to make these one-score games. They are playing complementary football in a way that we really did not see a lot of in the Dan Quinn era. 2016 obviously was the highlight year, but that was largely offense-driven. I would argue 2017 was really the real year when it felt the most complete. And the defense did a, a great job at the end of the year there to really help them get into the postseason because the offense was struggling in, in Steve Sarkeesian's first year. And then actually we look back and it's like, man, those were actually the good old days. Like they were kind of still clicking under Sark. It just wasn't record-breaking offense that we saw in 2016 with Kyle Shanahan. And so therefore people were like, oh man, we're just ninth. We're only ninth in offense that we got to get a new guy in here. And then, you know, you find out the grass isn't always greener, but I digress. They're at least playing complimentary football here and holding the Ravens to field goals instead of touchdowns gave Atlanta many more opportunities. I mean, again, this is still technically a one possession game. Yes, it's eight points, but that's kind of just the goal here is get it down to the end of these games, especially when you have the less talented roster which they have had in a lot of these games. Pittsburgh, yeah, you can argue that Atlanta, you know, that they were maybe a little bit more equal there, but it was a 16 to 19 game with a chance there to kind of win it late. Washington, I think Washington's a little bit better. 13 to 19 loss. I mean, that probably sounds about right, but again, right there and should have won that game if Deron Payne doesn't get his hand up. Like that's kind of where they're at. 17-20 Chargers. These are all games that you wouldn't necessarily on paper expect the Falcons to really be in just on paper, but they're finding ways to keep it close. So as I draw this podcast to a close, I don't know if there are really any real lessons to be learned about this team at this point. This team is what it is. It's going to run the football. I thought that they moved the ball a little bit better through the air. I think they're still figuring out what exactly Ritter does well on game day. Factoring that into the game plan, is it going to be more screens? Is it does he like those deep shots and he's good enough to hit them that will pepper in more of those? Is it the intermediate stuff? Does he like zone beaters, man beaters, all of that stuff? Like you just got to kind of figure out the right recipe and how much of this ingredient and how much of that ingredient you need. They're still working through this. So for the last two games, like that's what you want to look for is more the player by player growth, improvement, things like that. Like Caleb example. Caleb McGarry is a perfect example. I would love for everybody to just watch him. Watch him on the, for the next two games. Just pick a few snaps and just only watch him because the big play downfield to Drake London in this game really doesn't happen unless Caleb McGarry does a great job blocking up Tyus Bowers. And 
it was maybe two, three seconds of, all right, multiple pass rush moves where two years ago, I think Caleb McGarry is beat like a drum on that play. And it's a sack and the offense is punting and it's not a big explosive, but he has gotten so much better. And you don't really notice that if you just are following the ball. So over these last two games, just pick a player that you really want to learn more about. And for five snaps, a series, just watch Troy Anderson. Just watch Arnold Ebicady. Just watch Drew Dahlman. You know, like just pick a guy and watch him throughout the snap. Uh, so that is kind of where my head is at. I Even if the Falcons win these next two games, which Arthur Smith said, you know, that's the goal for the next two games is win. And yeah, he's supposed to say that. He's the head coach, but they're both at home. And, and I do think he wants to win these games at home as kind of a thanks for sticking with us all season long fans. And they've, for the most part, been much, much better at home than they have on the road. Uh, as I'm looking through this, I believe, yeah, they only have one win on the road, and that came in week three against Seattle. Every other one of their wins. So four wins at home, one on the road. You get the next two at home. That'd be nice to at least start building some semblance of like a home field advantage where, all right, the Falcons are at least good in their own building. Because again, under Dan Quinn, like that wasn't always the case. So yeah, he's going to want to win these next two games. But more importantly, from a fan perspective, yeah, I know a lot of you guys are going to say, hey, lose out and let's get the best draft pick possible. Again, I wrote a piece for the Falcoholic, kind of all of the scenarios, if they went anything from 3-0, which we know is off the table, to 0-3, which is still on the table, and how other games would have to play out, basically, and, and then what Atlanta's chances are for uh, the highest possible pick they could get in a certain scenario and the lowest possible pick. I did all that research. Uh, it took a lot of time, so please go read that if you would like to on thefalcoholic.com. But look for player growth, player development, pick a guy that you want to watch and watch him. Um, so that'll do it for today. I think I touched on everything a little bit jumbled. I didn't prep for this super duper hard because again, it's Christmas Eve. I was like, let me just pop upstairs do a quick 15. We'll get in and out. Uh, so here we are. It stinks that the Falcons kind of lost this game, but I don't think it'll ruin anybody's holiday. If it does, please maybe reevaluate. Um, <laughs> I love that you listen. I love this team as well, but Shouldn't bum you out that much. Uh, a little bit of growth from the most important position, Desmond Ritter. But by and large, this is one that I think everybody would do well to forget sooner rather than later. Turn the page. New year. They'll play again on New Year's Day against the Arizona Cardinals. We'll see what 2023 has in store. Certainly, the next season in 2023 will have much, much higher expectations. But maybe they can start it off on the right note and get a win on New Year's Day. So that will do it for me in today's podcast. Probably the last time that you're going to hear me. Uh, baby's not arrived yet. Maybe it'll be a Christmas Day uh, gift for us. Not here yet. Most likely, though, coming very, very soon. So I probably will not be doing my normal Thursday episode for you guys next week. Ovi and Rob Taylor will be taking over. Um, again, for the last two games on Sunday. So be sure to tune in Monday morning for those. Uh, get Ovi's thoughts on the season. He's excited to, uh, to do this last little bit with Rob. And then I'll be back whenever, I, uh, whenever I'm done with paternity leave. So six weeks, eight weeks, all that stuff. I may pop in if Ovi wants to do something. And uh, you know, the, the child's not too, too needy and I'm not too, too tired. But we'll play it by ear. So I'll sign off for now. You guys will get me back whenever that is. Uh, check, check my Twitter account. I may keep some updates going on there 
about the uh, status of the podcast and when I will return. But this podcast today has been presented by Bet Online. I hope everybody again has an amazing holiday that you get to spend all the time with family that you want to, friends, you know, drink some hot chocolate, watch some Christmas movies, of course, open a lot of presents. Um, or if you don't do presents and that's your thing, that's awesome as well. So however you choose to spend this time, I hope you enjoy it. Until next time, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.